Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. Welcome to the Successful Mind Podcast. It's David and Steph from Life Is Now Incorporated. We are here today to talk to you about some ideas when it comes to being supported in your business. Right, Steph? That's right. We find that uh, it seems to be one of the major obstacles that people have when they start a business, really moving through the idea that they don't have to be a one-person show and that they actually deserve to be supported. Um I think it's an interesting thing because one of the things that we're raised with is this idea that you have to be a self-made, a self-made person and do everything yourself. It's, it comes from uh, the backbone of like the working class mindset. Um, so there's a value-based proposition that's in there, meaning that a person gets their value from the accolades they get from from doing everything themselves and they yes. should do it themselves. But what it really does is it reinforces uh, a self-esteem issue, which we boil down into a core wound issue, which basically says I'm not enough. Is that right? Yeah, that basically says you're not enough. Right. It, I mean, it, it turns up in this, right? So I know you've heard this growing up, right? Why should I hire someone to do it if I can do it myself for free? <laughs> How many times have you heard that growing up, right? A million like, times. Mowing your lawn. Why should I hire someone to mow my lawn if I can do it for free, if I can do it myself? Cleaning your house. Why should I hire someone to clean my house if I can do it myself? And if you suggest that to someone, there's a lot of times they get offended. Like, well, what's wrong with me? Do right. you think there's something wrong with me that I can't, I can't, I can't do, do these myself? things myself? Yeah. yeah. Like, what's, what's wrong with me? So it's yeah. a big issue. Yeah. It's a big issue for people. And it's sneaky, right? Like, you wouldn't you would hear that as a, you know, a young adult or even a middle-aged adult and not tie it to your lack of willingness to hire help in your business, right? right. Because it, it usually didn't show up from a business perspective. It showed up other, you know, in other areas of um, influences on your life. But when you're a business owner, you only have so much time in a day. There are only so many tasks that you can manage. There are only so many people that you can talk to. And, you know, we work with hundreds of business owners and every single one of them gets to the point where either they decide to stay, uh, you know, a one man shop or they decide that they want to grow and scale their business and to grow and scale your business, you've got to delegate. You've got to allow yourself to receive support. Yeah. I'll never forget when I first woke up to this myself, I had just started the business I was working, you know, the crazy hours that a, a business owner starts. They're doing everything themselves. And it was a Saturday afternoon, and I am cutting the grass. And, uh, you know, I had one of those little John Deere tractors or whatever it was, a, l- a little, a real little one, you know, that you, a little mower that you sit on. And I'm cutting the grass, and I have my headphones on, and I'm listening to some self-help thing. And it's talking about the idea that you cannot grow in your business without help. And I'm just starting to hear this and I'm, I'm cutting the grass and I'm watching myself cut the grass and I'm going, why am I doing this? E- one of two things is, would either be true for me right now. Either I could be adding more time to the business or I could be spending more time with my family. But this idea is not working. And I took the tractor, I hooked the trailer up to it, I took it over by the garden hose, I washed it, brought it to the end of the driveway, put a, a for free 
sign on it. And I gave it away and I said, I will never again cut my own grass. And that was, I mean, that was the first time that I woke up to it. It was like, if I'm going to grow, I have to have help. But yeah. it was hard. It yeah. was, it was, it was, it felt very awkward. I actually felt, I knew I was doing the right thing, but it felt like I was doing something wrong. Yeah. Well, you can't stop the story there because the story is such a magnificent story. So what happened when you put the lawnmower by the so, side of the So, I road? mean, obviously it's summer. We had the, the front door was open. We had a screen door. This is back when I lived in Illinois in the Midwest. And I'm going, I'm going about my day. Uh, and my wife says to me, somebody's at the front door. And so I go and there's a couple there. And they said to me, we're interested in the tractor. Because it was, this was literally brand new. I only had it for maybe six months or something. They said, is it really free? And I'm like, yeah. They're like, what's wrong with it? I'm like, there's, there's nothing wrong with it. I just refuse to cut my grass anymore. And it was a blessing for me. So I want to pass it on. So that was something that my mentor taught me. Like when you're done using something, it was a blessing for you. Go bless somebody else with it. So I was like, you know, take it. And the woman says to me, this is like, we feel like, like this is a gift from God because our son wants to go to college, but we don't have the money to be able to send him to school. And he was looking for a way to be able to start his own little long cutting business so that he could su help support, you know, uh, his schooling. And, but we didn't have the money for the tractor for him to be able to do it. And this is actually free. So they took that, they took it home and the kid started his own little business and was able to supplement himself going to college. So what I love about this is that this symbolizes more life to three people. It symbolizes more life to you because you're not spending your time mowing the lawn. You can now focus on your growth, do things in the business or spend time with the family. You've given an opportunity to someone to grow themselves. And you're also hiring a, a company to come and mow your lawn for yes. you or someone else to come and mow your lawn for that's giving them opportunity. Not only that. So let's break, let's take it to the next level. The kid that's, that I hire to, to cut my grass has already started his own business. He actually was doing relatively well. He had some really great lawn cutting equipment or whatever. Um, and I start talking to him, right? Because a lot of times in the summer or in the spring in Illinois, I would sit outside when I was doing coaching calls and that type of thing. So yeah. he would come and he would talk to me and he was telling me about his dreams and all this different stuff to do. And I started working with him on building his business. And um, he, he tragically died in a motorcycle accident. But just prior to that, he had built it over 500,000 and was closing in on a million just by cutting lawns. And I wouldn't have had that interaction with him had I not given away and said, hey, go ahead and, and, and cut my lawn. So he was, he was, and he was 19 years old, Steph, and he was closing in on a million dollars a year cutting, cutting lawns. That's so cool. I love that story, but I've never, I've never, I've never like thought of the story from that, from that angle. Like we, you've always told the story from a point of like letting, letting go of something of a lower nature to allow something of a higher nature to come right. in, right? Law of right. sacrifice, not from, I'm going to allow myself to hire help. And in doing so, I'm giving so many people an opportunity, right? Which is the case in point for most business owners. When you hire help, you give other people an opportunity and you give yourself an opportunity for growth. It's yeah. all for more life. Most people don't ever think about that. They though. don't. They, they think don't. about how much it's going to cost. Well, I mean, what do we hear all the time? I can't afford someone. Right. 
Right. And, the, and you know, there was, there's another thing that we've also become aware of with this is that a lot of times they think they're doing something to the people yeah. that they're hiring, <laughs> yeah. which is like, I never had that yeah. issue, yeah. but I do understand where it comes from. The idea that, you know, you're having somebody do work for you, like you're doing something that's not good to them. Yeah. Yeah. I never understood that. Well, I mean, I guess I've just never thought of it like that, you know? No, but, but so many people do when they have jobs that they don't like and they're doing them just out of necessity for, for their life. You know, Proctor used to say, do what you love with people that you love. And the indication was that most people do something that they don't like with people that they don't like and they just get stuck there. I mean, how many times do you, do you hear people complain about their boss, right? Like, All the time. I mean, it's, it's almost like a culture. Let's, let's get a job and then complain about how terrible our boss is or how awful our, our manager is. So you heard that all the time and now you're the manager or you're the boss, you're going to feel like you're doing something right. wrong by hiring someone. Yeah. Right. You're the bad guy. Right. But I think it goes deeper than that. So I've been thinking about this topic for, for a couple of days now. And, you know, in working with our clients, getting them to see that they need to hire is one thing. They, they logically can understand. I know that I need to take these $10 and $12 tasks off my, off my plate. I know that it's not the best use of my time. Mm -hmm. They don't know what it's costing the company. It's costing the company hundreds of thousands of dollars in opportunity by keeping the 10 and $12 tasks on their plate. Um, but it really boils down to a deep, deep mindset issue that was set up prior to the age of seven, right? It goes right back to, to the core wound of if I hire someone, I might experience that I'm unlovable or I might experience that I'm not worthy. And so these business owners create all these stories in their head, which show up as excuses that then justify not hiring. Absolutely. You know, I mean, that's, that's really the, if you boil it all down, is this, is the saying boil it down to brass tacks? I've never understood what that means, but, I, <laughs> but I, I think either. that's what the saying is, but just kind of like cutting it down to the very core of the issue. It really is tied back to, I'm not worth it, which goes into what, how, where we started this conversation with my value is tied into how hard I work. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm not needed there anymore right. in, in their mind. You know, um, when people, when people would say, well, what am I going to do? Or like we said before, why would you think that I can't do this? Or what do you think that's wrong with me? Because, because, We've talked with a lot of women that have businesses, and there mm -hmm. was a ma major struggle when it comes to kids hiring help for kids, their own value being tied to how much they actually do for their children. Then you suggest that they actually get help, and it opens up this yeah. whole thing for them. Oh, yeah. Lots of mom guilt out there for women business owners. Mom guilt, for sure. Lots Absolutely. Of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, on the flip side, for, the, for our male business owners, it, it really is like, I can do it myself. So why, why do I need to hire someone if I can do it myself? Yeah. Um, which is not going to build your business. No. And it, and it's clearly, it clearly represents or, or states in a way that the individual doesn't understand what their worth is and where right. their worth is. So using, um, before I, before I came to work for you, I had my own business. You did. I had a um, holistic nutrition practice. I was working with many clients at the time. And I was a one-woman show. 
Like it was just me. And I started out working out of my house and then transitioned into an, an office space. And I was doing my own scheduling. I was doing, I was taking payment myself. I was doing all my own supplement ordering. I was like, I was doing all my own marketing. I was doing all my own speaking. Like I was doing everything. And I couldn't, I couldn't do anymore. I did there was no, there was nowhere for my business to grow. Right. Did you, were you hit the, did you hit the point of diminishing returns? I hit the point of diminishing returns. And I also started to feel really resentful of my business. Of the business. Yes. Because I wanted more, but I couldn't do it. So it's easy to fall into a victim mentality, right? Like, well, you know, all kinds of reasons. I'm so tired. I don't get enough sleep at night. I'm constantly doing this. I can't spend time with the kids. And you start getting angry at the business, even though you're the one that's causing the problem to begin with. Did it ever, let me just ask a question really quick. Um, when you when you started thinking about I'm going to start my own business and go in this direction, did you ever think about how you were going to get the work done? Did it cross your mind at all, or was that just too far out in the future to think about? That was a. It was too far out in the future, and I'm not from an entrepreneurial background right. at all. Me There's either. not a single entrepreneur in my family. Uh, my dad worked at the General Motors plant for 30 years. I mean, it was just sheer will and hard work that he just went and did the same thing every single day. And my mom was a credit manager at the hospital. So she was the person in charge of calling everybody and telling them what their bill was and staying on top of their, their <laughs> medical payments, right? Super fun. Um, but, you know, my dad, both of my parents instilled in me a really, um, how do I say this? pretty extreme work ethic. So I knew that I could pretty much have whatever I wanted as long as I was willing to work for it. So I took that into my new business and I had left teaching. Like I, I um, did not renew my teaching contract. I was an elementary school teacher at the time to, to really step into my business full time. And my only goal was replacing my teacher's salary. That's as far as I could think. My whole goal was just Just to replace your teacher's salary so we could keep the lights on and pay the mortgage. And my teacher's salary, I think I was at $37,000 a year, (laughs) right? Which seems really crazy right now based upon who we work with and what we we teach and what we do, right? right? But my sole focus, that was my agreement with Brandon. I'm like, babe, I got to do this. And I'm, he's like, as long as you can, as long as you can replace your teacher's salary, I'm totally on board, right? So- that was my sole focus. I wasn't focused on growing and scaling my business. I was focused on, can I do this? Yeah. Like, can I actually do this? And can I make the same amount teaching? Or can I make the same amount in my new business that I was making teaching? Well, I very quickly learned that I can make a heck of a lot more sure. in my business than teaching. But I wasn't, con- like, I wasn't conscious of anything. I was definitely an... Uh, Unconscious competent. Um, unconscious competent. Yes. Right. Where I was just doing everything necessary to continue to go forward to bring in to bring in more money. Like I would speak to my bookkeeper at the end of the week and she'd say, We'd need this much by next week to pay the bills. And then I went out and made, made sales. Made sales to to make sure that the bills were paid. So I wasn't really projecting super far into the future at all. Um, and everybody around me, no one thought it was gonna be successful. Like my teacher right. friends were like, Yeah, there's you'll be back, right? Yeah. If it was that easy, everybody would be doing it. Yes. Brandon, will, Brandon will admit he was incredibly skeptical, you know, at first he's, he's risk averse. I am not risk averse. So it was like, okay, we're going to give this a try, yeah. but you know, 
you may have to go back to teaching if this doesn't work out. Um, but I wasn't thinking that far ahead. And then I got to a point where I literally could not do more. And I was so unhappy with my life, right? I wanted to start my own business because I wanted the freedom, the freedom. Absolutely. Right. I was a teacher for 10 years. I'd go in at seven 30 in the morning. I'd leave at four 30. I was bound by somebody else's rules and laws and, you know, all kinds of red tape. And I had to sit through the most ridiculous in services that were so inefficient and not a good use of my time, which is kind of a pet peeve of mine. Um, and I just wanted the freedom to be able to do what I wanted when I wanted. And I created the opposite. Created a jail for yourself. Oh my God. I created Prison, a jail yeah. for myself. And I just kept taking on more clients. And, you know, I started working with university level athletes and I had to work weekends and I was working late at night or early in the morning. And I had two little girls. Right. You know, I, I think Emma was like one or two. Bailey was three or four. Like they were little when I first started my own business. So talk about mom guilt there. Yeah, right? for sure. And as I'm listening to you tell this story and I'm thinking about the way we were both raised and in the area of the country that we were raised and the mindset that our parents had, it's, I'm kind of thinking like, one of the things that we never heard, like we were never exposed to the idea of asking people for help. It was, why would I pay somebody else to do that? Um, you don't ask other people for help. In, in, a lot of, in a lot of cases, it's like rude to ask other people yeah. for help, right? You do, every, you do everything yourself. So that's why I asked you when you, were start, when you were thinking about starting the business, were you thinking about how am I going to grow this? How am I going to get help? It never occurred to you or I. No. It was just go like, cause I didn't know what I was doing either when I started. So it was just do every, every single thing yourself. And then you run smack into this brick wall uh, where you, you can't grow and you start to resent the, so what did you do from that, from that standpoint? So I, I sat down and I really figured like what my earning capacity was if I took specific things off my plate. So I started looking at, okay, I spend this amount of time per week scheduling. I spend this amount of time per week ordering supplements, this amount of week on reminder calls, this amount. Like I really started to take a look at, I would write everything down that I would do. And I saw all the little things that don't require a master's degree in nutrition right. to do, right? Like, and, and my gift, my value is in working with clients and selling myself. I was great at selling myself. Yeah. But if I'm bogged down in doing all these little tasks, I don't have the time or the energy. My energy is not in the right place, right? To, to make more sales. In fact, I started repelling sales because I was already so busy. So I would have people start to come to me and I'd have to book them out, you know, several weeks because I couldn't get to them. And then they would, they would go find someone else to help them, right? Because when people are in a place where they want to change their health, they want to do it now. Right, right. Um, so I was, I was actually in a place of diminishing returns and I started to see that. And when I could, when I could like see it in black and white, it helped me justify it. Justify hiring? Justify mean? hiring. Okay. So I hired an assistant and she worked part-time. Um, I think I paid her, oh man, this is kind of embarrassing. I mean, it was what, <laughs> like five, seven, 20, almost 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. I think I paid her like 10 or $11 an hour. And was above minimum wage, but still, and she was so wonderful. Um, but she would do all those menial, those little menial tasks, right. which opened up my calendar and gave me energy to do so much more. And then my business grew again. 
not only that, but I got different ideas of things that I wanted to do that brought the business forward. You know, I started doing um, talks and things like I did. Funny enough, I did a nutrition talk for Frito-Lay. Right. I was up in front of this, this you know, all the C-suite of Frito-Lay talking about eating healthy to maintain energy. <laughs> and they've got like grandma's cookies in the back of the, right, in the right. back of the seminar space. Um, and then after that hire, it was easier to make the bookkeeper hire. And then, and then it just like, I really didn't need more than two to three team members. And then I found you and sold my business and here I am. Yeah. But then you went through, you went through a different thing because then it was, we were doing a lot of traveling. We were, we were traveling the world, speaking and selling and, and helping people. And you had two little kids. Yeah. So how did you deal with that? So there was this, I'm trying to think, I'm not even going to guess what year, but I was in a, it was in a, an event space with you and you were doing a teaching and you did this teaching on what do you desire, right? And again, growing up, I didn't get to desire a whole lot. Yeah. So asking me what I want, my mind would just go blank constantly. Like the only thing I could come up with was freedom. That's it. I, I my mind just went like static. Yep. Um, with the question, what do you want? But you said, you know, what do you really desire? Like, what do you want your life to look like? And I was sitting, of course, I was sitting there to support you in the event, but like always, I was taking notes as to what you were teaching as well. And then that night, Brandon and I were, were sitting around and I was like, if this was our ideal life, like if this was our ideal life, what would this look like? And at the time we'd left our, our two girls um, home with my mom who was watching them and I was traveling more and more. So I was away from them way more than I wanted to. Um, generally Brandon would stay home with them and I would travel to do VIP days with you or to do seminars with you. And I said, my ideal life would look like the kids traveling with us because we would take them every once in a while, but then we would get these nasty letters from the school threatening truancy hearings and stuff because they were missing school. Yeah. Yeah, They were in like, you know, first and third grade, both of their parents are teachers and we're getting truancy, you know, letters saying that we're bad people, you know, we're bad people (laughs) and our kids aren't going to be educated. And so that was like the first question, like what, what would we, what do we want our life to look like? I'd want the kids to travel with us. Okay. So what would need to happen for us to be able to have the kids travel with us while we would need to take them out of school? Okay. Well, what would need to happen if we took them out of school? Well, we would need to take over the responsibility of our education. Okay. Well, we're two, you know, master's level educated human beings. We could figure this out. Right. Um, but we knew it wouldn't be a good idea for either of us to be their teacher. So it was like, okay, well, what would need to happen for this to be successful? Well, we would need to hire, we would need to hire help. We would need to hire a, a teacher to come in and, and teach them. And it was like, nah, we could never, that, no, you know, I don't know. That seems like we'll be those crazy homeschool parents, right? Like, oh my God, is that even a thing? Do people even do that? Right. But once we started dreaming about that, it all fell into place. You know, we ended up pulling the girls out of school. We hired a private teacher. Um, she also nannied. I remember in her interview, I said, you know, what's your main goal for, for this role? And she said, I'll never forget it. She said, to give your kids a great expectation and make your life easy. And I was like, done. <laughs> done. Yeah. Because we were, we, were, we were handling so many things at the time, right? Um, And so we hired her and she would, you know, she'd come to our house, she'd get the kids involved in outside activities. She would travel with us. So if we would, you know, go to Atlanta for a seminar, she would, 
she would be there, you know, to. And she would set up edu- educational she would stuff set up for educational the kids stuff. to do, I remember. Oh my gosh. We'd go to the desert. She would do a whole unit on desert animals and then take them to the desert preserve or whatever. Sure. Um, but it was way out of our comfort zone. And people, you know, no one, I don't remember if anyone said anything derogatory to us, but they you were like. There were some comments that you told this me about. is a little weird. Like, Brandon and Steph have completely drank the Kool-Aid. And people would come up to us and say, you know, aren't you worried about the socialization of your kids? And, and I'm thinking to myself, where else in your life are you stuck in a room of kids your same age without the ability to really, like, communicate because you have to sit quiet in a desk for six hours a day. Like, no, I'm not worried about my kids socializing, you know, and even today they're, they can talk to adults like they can talk to anyone. Right. Um, but yeah, we got a little, like, we got a little pushback on that decision for sure. Cause it was really out of the box at yeah. the time. You yeah. know, my girls are 21 and 19 now. So this was many years ago. Um, but I really think that 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 was a huge shift in, in who we were being at the time to be able to, to do that. Um, and it was way more than possible. We could have done it so much earlier. Right. We just hadn't allowed ourselves to think that that would be okay for us to have that support. What made it okay? What finally had to click in your head to make it okay? Um, what clicked in my head that made it okay? I think we just decided... I think it was just like it doesn't matter if this isn't if this isn't okay. This is what we want, and we just decided. Yeah. I think once you get out of that waffling place, the voices kind of shut up a little bit. Yeah, but the other thing, so so I do remember this part because we had a lot of conversations about it because I still had two kids that were in school. Also, they were older than your kids, but they were there, mm-hmm. and we were talking about what other successful people do. Right, because you have other successful people. They're they're married. They have families. They have children, and they travel all over the world. And they have huge responsibilities. And their kids are well adjusted and normal. And we had met people like that, and we're like, well, what did what did these people do? Right? Yeah. What is it that they actually do? And they had teachers. They had nannies. They had coordinators. They whatever it was necessary for them to do that. And then, I'll never forget. When I learned this, and this was from from Tony Robbins, he said, the idea is not that you're with your kids 24 hours a day. Right. It's that when you're with your kids, you're 100% present in that time space and that you create magic moments with them with the things that they're going to remember, that you're not there, and that you have really well-educated people that are teaching them the different things that they're, they're learning. Like your kids got an education most kids couldn't even dream of. Because yeah. of the traveling and all the different things yeah. that we did over the years. Yeah. But it seriously takes, because um, I know that I ran into in this situation with clients before where uh, the, 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 the mom wanted to hire help. Or I'm sorry, not, that's not correct. I, the, the dad wanted to hire help for the kids and the moms felt just completely devalued because they're like, you know, what do you think is wrong with me? Because I can't raise the kids. And it's like nothing, you know, and women have that double-edged sword, like their, their values built into children to a degree, but then the world also sells, says you should go out and build a business or have a career or whatever. And they just feel completely trashed on the inside about it. Right. 
for me, it was about creating really clear boundaries between work time and family time. And I think that's a huge downfall right now with business owners that we see is that they say that they're home, but they're on their phone checking email or they're taking a client call when they're supposed to be, you know, at the park with the kids or they're sneaking in. And if you don't think your kids notice that, right, they, they notice. do, they, totally they notice, notice, right? So for us, it was, look, this is mom's work time and I'm going to be solely focused on work. And unless you're bleeding, dying or something's on fire, please don't interrupt me. But when I'm not in work time, I'm a hundred percent yours. I'm not going to check my phone. I'm not going to answer email. I'm not going to pick up and answer anything. Like even today, the girls are, the girls will say to me, you know, are you off off? Are you off off right now, mom? I'm like, <laughs> yep, I'm off off. Right. So they, 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 they understand like that, that boundary behind I'm either all the way work or I'm all the way sure. personal play. And I also think that's, that's a good example for them, especially in the time of, of social media and the demands of any jobs that they're going to, they're going to have or businesses that they're going to create. But it's interesting because moms do that because they feel guilty. Yeah. They feel guilty for taking time away from the kids to work and they feel guilty for giving the kids time and taking it from work. So it's like you're stuck between a rock and a hard place, right? It's six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Right. But if you have those clear boundaries, then you, you're out of that that guilt tug of war. Yep. And if you hire help, you're even more out of that guilt tug of war because you actually have the time that you can block off to spend on just work or just play. If you're doing everything yourself, that's when it starts to bleed. That's when those boundaries start to get really gray and, and, and wobbly. So tell, so we're running, we're running right up against the, the end here. How do you explain to people that they're worth it? What do you tell them? Um, so first of all, I, it, it kind of depends on the person. Like you've got the people who make decisions logically and you make, you get people that make decisions based on what they're going to gain or what they're going to lose. Yeah. Right. So, um, if I'm, if I'm across the table or, or on zoom with someone who's more intellectual or logical, I show them the numbers like, okay, if you had enough time in the day, how many additional sales would you make and how much money would that equal? If you had more time in the day, how much more could you fulfill? And how much, how much money would that bring? So you're into? looking at how they make decisions. I'm looking at how they make decisions because if I can appeal to that, that like black and white brain, kind of like mine was at the time, right. right. They can clearly see that they're actually robbing money from their business by continuing to do these low dollar tasks that are not in their zone of genius. Right. Like right. it makes sense. They can be like, Oh, so you mean like my time is worth $600 an hour and I'm spending that hour, you know, calling people to remind them of their calls with me. Yeah. That's not a good, that's not a um, efficient use of my time for money. So then they can clearly see, okay, I know even if it might be uncomfortable for me, I know that it makes logical sense for me to hire. Sure. If you've got someone who's more of the like gain or or fear decision maker, then you've got to look at the excuses that they're making. So okay. I'll say, let me ask you something. You know that you need to hire. We've had this conversation, right? And they'll say, yeah, I know I need to hire. And I'll say, what are the exact excuses that you say to yourself that keep you from doing it? And we'll pull them all out, right? This is something we do with our private clients too, right? right? We pull all these excuses out. Well, I don't think I can pay them. 
Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to be a good manager. I don't know if I have enough work for them. I don't know how to hire or find the right person. I'm not sure I can trust them. My business is kind of a mess right now, so I need to put systems in place. And if you if you look at all those excuses written down, they're not based in logic. They're based in yeah, the isn't fear. That wild? The, they're based in the fear of not being good enough. Right? What if I'm Absolutely. not a good what if I'm not a good manager? That goes back to your core wound of not good enough, right? What if I bring them on and and I can't pay them? Well, then they're not going to like me, so I'm not lovable. What if I you know, I need to set up systems first yeah. because my business is a mess. That's all not good enough. So once you pull all those excuses out, and if you're listening to this podcast and you know you need to hire, get out a pen and paper and write those excuses down right now because you'll be able to see clear as day that you're not hiring based on anything logical that says, yes, hire, because you'll make more money if you right. hire. You're not hiring because of these subconscious fears. Yeah. Yeah. It creates the perfect reason to verify what the reason that you think that you can't do it, which verifies that you don't feel that you're worth it to begin with. But most people don't realize that that's actually there mm -hmm. uh, because their whole life has been wrapped around the justifications for the behavior that they make. And of course, we get that from the people that, that raise us. Like I said right. before, it never crossed my mind about the idea of asking for help until there was a problem and you needed to ask and you needed to ask for help. No, there was shame associated with asking Very much for help. so. Very much like so. Like it was shameful to ask for help. Why? What's wrong And I got the criticism. Why would you hire somebody to do that when you can do it yourself? Of course. And then you have to think through that for a minute. Like, am I doing something wrong? Why would I hire somebody to do something when I could do it by myself? But I'll tell you what, when I got free of that, that was it for me. I'm not going back. <laughs> right? Yeah. I am... I'm, <clears throat> so that's cool stuff. That is, that is, that is really awesome. Awesome. And the other thing is that how many people, you know, it goes beyond the, the lawnmower story. If you think about how many people you have, I have, you and I have helped within the company, the hundreds and the thousands of people that we've taught and helped them break free. We constantly get text messages and uh, emails and stuff, thanking us for the completely new life. Yeah. that they live because they're so free of that. They get to do the thing that's fun in their business. They get to spend the time with their kids, with their spouse, with of a hobby if they have one, and they live a much more balanced life. Yep. Awesome. That's good. Well, let's leave it there. All right. Good stuff. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.